0: Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here.
1: Wow. Life has changed drastically in the 30-odd years since I had a child at home. There were times of stress, of course, but life, for the most part, seemed mostly calm. I mean, we didn't have social media. There were no computers or iPads, iPhones or tablets. Life was not nearly as busy as it is today. I mean, when you needed a book, you went to the library. Remember those? If you took a trip, you had to have a map or an atlas to figure out where you were going. You couldn't order anything from Amazon because, well, it didn't exist. Now today, anything we want is right at our fingertips. And though life might be more convenient, it isn't necessarily easier. In fact, it's busier than ever. So today, we're going to chat about the overwhelm of motherhood. Between the three of us, we have 16 children, so I'm certain we've all experienced it to some degree in our mothering journeys. But one scary fact I just came across is this. Stress can actually alter a child's DNA, and it shrinks our brain capacity. That's terrifying to me. So let's talk for a minute about mom overwhelm and how we can combat it. One thing I can guarantee you, you're not alone. I'm joined today by Jamie Erickson and September McCarthy, and we're going to talk about this subject because it's one that we all deal with. So first, let me ask you, September, how do you keep it all together when you feel like you're falling apart? Do you just embrace the craziness and let it be a new normal, or do you have some other solution for us?
2: First, I just want to say I think we all need to take a deep breath in and let it out and maybe laugh a little because this whole topic of being overwhelmed is just overwhelming. And I think, Kate, to answer your question that holding it all together, I think it's a myth. I I don't hold it all together. There is never a day where I feel like I just held it all together. So, But I do embrace the craziness. And sometimes that is the only way to get through those moments. But I do believe that Um, as far as survival and learning a steady rhythm of not being overwhelmed would look like creating a plan and thriving in every season. That's different because every season of motherhood every day basically is not going to look the same. So I'd say, run with a plan, but be flexible. You know, some days I wake up and I have a plan set before me and if that plan takes a detour, I could easily be overwhelmed. So I've had to teach myself that it's not a one size fits every situation in this motherhood thing. But um, if we can just all kind of grasp onto that, that it's not a one size fits every season or every situation, I think that that's a great place to start. That's
1: great advice, September. What about you, Jamie?
0: Well, I agree with September. Keeping it all together um, isn't even possible for any of us. Well, I just wanted to share a couple of things, some tangible things that have helped me over the years because I have struggled with overwhelm and anxiety. And so I have put a couple of benchmarks in place to help me whenever I start to feel those inklings of, feeling like I cannot maintain this same momentum something has to give so I just want to share first of all I'm a big advocate for writing out scripture I have three by five cards kind of hidden all over my house for my eyes only I've looked up verses and I'll share a few of those in the show notes if you're interested but I'm thinking of like Philippians 4 6 through 7 1 Peter 5 seven. I write them out and I place them in key places around my house, on the mirror when I'm getting dressed in the morning, in my sock drawer when I go to grab a pair of socks, so that I'm placing God's word, his peaceful words of truth, always before me. And that does have this heavenly way of calming that inner turmoil that I have when I start to get overwhelmed. I think a lot of my overwhelm happens when I'm trying to crowbar a new responsibility into an already full day. I can look back through my life and the seasons of my motherhood and and see where even, even the first day I brought my first baby home, I kind of just expected that I would be able to fit this brand new responsibility into the rest of my full day. but. You can't, you can't crowbar something that large into a full space, and that's not an admission and failure, that's just the simple laws of physics. So, I had to say, in order to add this new thing to my life, I have to assess the rest of my life and be willing to do one of two things say to myself, you know what, I have to jettison this one part of my day because I can't have this new responsibility and all these other things, or I have to say, you know what? I might not be able to do all of these things with the same caliber of excellence as I could yesterday. Maybe I have to be okay with good enough. The other thing I would say is I would encourage everybody to really relentlessly protect Sabbath rest. And whether that looks like taking a whole day on Sunday, you know, everybody's Sabbath rest is going to look different. But Remember the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And when I get so busy spinning all my wheels that I never take time to sit in quiet worshipful rest, I never get to catch a breath and I never get that that um, rest that my body and my mind and my spirit crave. So it might seem like an oxymoron to rest when you feel so busy, but that is God designed. And when I take out time in my week. And usually for me, it happens to be on Sunday where I worship God. And I also just sit and rest. If I forget to do that in the week, I really feel it the rest of the week.
1: Great advice, Jamie. You know, I didn't deal with overwhelm too much because I raised my daughter in a simpler time, but I would say with, you know, looking back with the perspective of of the years do all you can now to enjoy the journey especially if your kids are little it's it's overwhelming and it's crazy and there's chaos but it's such a short season it doesn't feel like it when you're in the middle of it it feels like it's going to this is what my life is always going to be but just know that this season won't last forever the laundry pile will shrink all those toys are one day going to get sold at your garage sale and those babies are going to grow up so do what you can to just enjoy this season. So let me ask you you gals this. Um, do you think moms get overwhelmed today because we're just trying to cram too many activities into our lives and our children's lives? And if so, how do we go about changing that?
2: I think activities are a definite problem, but I really don't think that they're the only source of being overwhelmed. I think sometimes the best place to start is to weed out the activities that are outside the home, you know, begin there and sift through what's necessary. The the way that we do this in our home, and you know, we have a big family. So whether you had one or 10, like myself, I think this is a key integral part to cutting down on the activities that are adding to your stress or your feeling of being overwhelmed. The key is to hone in on the gifts and strengths of each of your children. If you have activities that are not um, filling or pursuing or helping them in those areas, and they're just to give them something to do, those are the things that might have to go first. Those activities might be the very things that you don't really need in your schedule right now. And if you have more than one child, then you're doing that times two, times three, times four. And that's all of those activities multiplied. Your children do not need everything. They need the support and the encouragement and the activities that are going to grow them to be what God wants them to be. So I think it's key to hone in on their strengths, to figure out what they enjoy. And of course our kids are going to enjoy everything, but to really pick and choose, maybe just be picky. Oftentimes I think, and this is a big thing, and I feel like this may step on some toes. I know it stepped on mine when I realized that this was happening in my own life, but I think we mislabel the overwhelm of running our kids to all the things when perhaps, well, and this is hard to say, perhaps we are just keeping them busy to avoid the training and frustrating effort that goes into having them at home. Mm -hmm. That was big for me. I realized sometimes it's easier just to go and do and be out and, and avoid the, really the work and the groundwork and the foundation of teaching them to be content or teaching them how to do chores or teaching them how to be home. Um, it's like when they have a week off of school, you know, you kind of pulling your hair out. Those are the training opportunities for life. And so When our kids learn how to be content and not be running, and that takes work, then that pull from them is gone. It's really only us looking for things to do outside the home to kind of avoid what is present before us. And that was huge for me. That cut down on a lot of my feelings of overwhelmed when I realized I just need to do the hard work in teaching my children what they need, and what's good. And so when I stopped running here and there and started getting more creative at home and focusing on the things that I knew were important that I was avoiding, life became so less overwhelming. Mm,
1: That's hard truth, but that's good truth, September. I really, that's a great way to think about it. What do you think, Jamie?
0: Well, I have five kids, but I didn't know when I started having kids that I would have five kids. And now on the back end of that, I can see where when you want to pour deeply into each one of your kids, you have to find the balance of finding their gifts and helping them to cultivate those gifts while also maintaining sanity yourself, but some family culture. Because if you're always playing taxi driver, taking this kid to that thing and this kid to that other thing, you are really splitting up your whole family as a unit. And siblings are not able to then pour into their other siblings. So I'm very glad that when I just had my one and then later two little, little ones, I made a house rule early on that my kids are not going to be involved in outside of the house things until they're at least five now that's not a magic number it was just a number i pulled out of my hat because at the time i thought my kids would go off to public school at five and that would be a good launching point for other things but i did look ahead enough to know what i do for my first one i want to also be able to do for my last one i didn't realize the last one would be five um but now i'm very grateful that i held firm to that Because it would have really been fun to take my two or three year old little girl because she was so cute and sign her up for dance or ballet or gymnastics and see her in her little tutu or her little outfit. But you and I both know when you go to those gymnastics performances for preschoolers, most of the time you see a bunch of little ones standing on stage crying or fearful to be up there. They're so cute. But I think. I wonder if they'd rather be doing something else and if so, then that gymnastics performance or that dance performance was more about mom and dad than it was about that little kid. And I know that that might be stepping on some toes, but for us, I just found that probably until they're five, they're not really going to have any real draw to any one activity other than just spending time with mom and dad. So that was a house rule that we set early on. We also added to that um, as we began to have more kids and, you know, there's only two of us and there's five of them, so we're greatly outnumbered. So we, we decided that it wouldn't just be starting at five, it would be starting at five, but also you could only participate in one activity per season. And that really helps them to hone in on the one activity they really value that's not to say that you have to stick with that activity from now until the end of time. Maybe you start soccer and you think, Oh, I thought I was going to like this, but I really don't. Well, you stick it out through the end of the season and then next season you can pick something else and they can sample a lot of different things until they find that one thing that they're really gifted at or they really love, but then it limits our running from here to there um, to just a couple of things. The other thing I would add to that is we really try to focus on family group activities. So we we are involved in a couple of different ministries and a couple of different outside of the home things, but they're family oriented. So that way we're all doing the thing together and that's a lot more efficient for our family, but it's also letting siblings pour into the lives of their siblings.
1: I think that's great, Jamie. Um, I, I think we typically definitely try to do too much, but you know, just to amplify what you girls said, there's a great word we forget to use and it's a little word and it's just the word, no, it's okay to say no when the teacher asks you one more time to volunteer. It's okay to say no to one more activity that means you're driving during rush hour. I think it's okay to say no to anything that adds to your stress level. And I I love the advice about just one activity Especially if you have multiple kids, it's going to get crazy trying to do all that driving everywhere. And, and really, as you're raising your kids and praying about their future, and as God starts to show you things about where he's calling them and what their gifts and talents are, that will, I think that will narrow it down quite a bit as to what are the activities that child needs.
0: I've been told I'm a kidlit snob. And you know, I don't disagree. I am a kidlit snob. But why not? When the majority of conservative and even Christian book lists contain a very popular middle grade collection about dragons that includes a large amount of crass and cruel language, gratuitous violence, the support of ungodly themes like post-birth abortions, racial injustice, and genocide, someone has to speak up. Did I mention that in book 13 of that same series, the author introduces a sexual agenda that is contrary to scripture? Well, it does. I wish I could say that this is a rare exception in the kids' section of the public library, but it's not. The truth is, more and more middle-grade writers are being pressured by certain organizations to include specific political, social, and sexual agendas in the final books of their otherwise clean series— in order to begin grooming children without parental knowledge. This means that even the most conscientious parent might find their vetting efforts being thwarted when they approve of a series after reading the first few books, only to later discover that the subsequent books don't align with their values. As a Christian writer, an avid reader, the host of a bi-weekly tween and teen book club, a former children's librarian at a megachurch, and a teacher, Who spent the past 21 years helping kids discover great books, both in and out of the classroom, I'd love to curate a stack of books just for your kids. That's why I've created The Bibliophiles, a membership community of like-minded parents dedicated to keeping the literary wolves at bay. When you join The Bibliophiles, you'll receive a monthly email filled with age-appropriate books that I've personally read and hand-selected a few trending books that have content you might want to be aware of, and occasionally a title selected just for you, Mama. Each quarter, you'll also receive a bonus-themed list filled with titles curated with one topic in mind, like The Civil War, Friendships, Pets, or Christmas. Additionally, you'll be able to link arms with other parents in our private Facebook group where you can ask about specific titles your kids are interested in, share books that you yourself have been reading, and learn about new literary trends and vetting tips. As parents, we are the gatekeepers of our kids. Just as we lock our doors to prevent intruders from entering and physically harming our family, we can be equally as vigilant when it comes to the thieves who would love to enter their minds and steal away their innocence through the books that they read. To find out more or to join the Bibliophiles community, head to jamieerickson.com backslash Bibliophiles. Most adults would never let a toddler play by a swimming pool unattended, and yet every day so many tweens and teens have unfettered access to smartphones. Why is that? If I were to guess, it's because as parents, we want to be able to get a hold of our kids and provide a way for them to get a hold of us. We see a smartphone as a way to keep them safe. Ironically, according to the most recent data from the National Library of Medicine, smartphones are actually doing the very opposite. Researchers have concluded that as culture continues to toss tweens and teens into the deep end of the internet with no life raft, the number of teens showing signs of depression, has risen by 33% and teen suicides by 31%. What if I told you there was a way to keep in contact with your kids while also keeping them safe from the harmful effects of the internet? Well, there is. It's called the Gab phone. With a Gab phone, your kids can call, text, and take pictures, but the devices aren't connected to the internet in any way. Now, with the new Gab Plus, they can stream kids safe music send images, and participate in group texts with additional options for parent-enabled apps, too. And yet, still no internet access. That means that you can send your tween or teen out the door to after-school jobs, sports practice, or youth group and rest a bit easier knowing you can get a hold of them and they can get a hold of you. You can keep them both physically and emotionally safe. To learn more or to snag a Gab phone or watch for your tweener teen, head to Gab.com and use promo code momtoMom at checkout. That's G-A-B-B.com, promo code M-O-M-T-O-M-O-M at checkout.
1: So how is your stress level affecting your children and what can you do to change it?
2: You know, Kate, as we were just talking about saying no and choosing our priorities and setting the tone for our home, I kind of had a little moment there where I was thinking maybe of myself when I had 10 children at at the house in one time. And I was thinking some things you just can't say no to, you know, you wake up and you have 10 kids and just that is overwhelming. And so I wrote this in my book and I have to remind myself of this all the time is that Sometimes your best yes every day is just to wake up knowing that you are to love your children and your family well, and that's all. And so sometimes we just have to cut everything off and say, this is what I'm going to do today. This is overwhelming enough. And so if that's you listening today, you know, maybe it's not the activities. Maybe it's just your family that is overwhelming you or your circumstances, then just make that your one thing to love your family well um, you know I learned early on and I'm still working on this so diligently is that we do create and set the tone for our home um, you know whether it's our stress or our excitement or our energy or maybe even our vision we are I say like a culture um, and community creators in our home it's our tone it's our culture that usually sets the excitement or dynamic for our kids in a day but i had to learn what my stress points were that were bringing my home into such a frenzy or in such conflict because it usually started with me or ended with me and and that's possible you know we can remember that whatever the chaos or whatever it's causing us to feel overwhelmed we have the ability and the power through christ and his word and through some of these amazing ideas that we're hearing here today to kind of end the overwhelm. Um, But I don't know if we always realize what the root of the stress is because we're in the middle of it. We just see the symptoms. And um, for an example, a lot of times we are upset that the toilet paper isn't refilled or the table didn't get cleared or there are dishes in the sink. And we're upset with those symptoms. We're overwhelmed. Like why isn't anything getting done? Why doesn't anyone help? Whereas going to the root of that is maybe we need to train our children to do those things and take the time to do those things to cut out the overwhelming of just that area. You know, maybe your children have a problem with conflict or arguing, and that's causing you to feel so overwhelmed. Why can't we get this? So take some time to identify the root, and then maybe work on that, that really cuts out the stress because a lot of times our overwhelm comes from symptoms. Um, and I think often the time investment that we give to training ourselves and our family far away the stress that we feel from avoiding it. So I would say spend time every day with your kids and sit down, maybe have some family meetings and identify what is causing our family to be in this vicious circle or me as a mom to feeling overwhelmed. Whether it's your household or your children's behavior or too many activities, identify them as a couple or as a mom and present them to your family and troubleshoot together. You will not be able to fix this on your own um, because like Kate said, you know we are setting the tone we have to do that with them.
0: And I just wanna say before we go any further, The three of us have our own unique homes, just like you have your own unique homes. And we might have pinpointed areas um, that we needed to work on in our own lives or that were overwhelming to us, but our situations are unique to us and your situation is going to be different. So you have to just keep that in the back of your mind. We made the decision early on to set up some things in our home, some ground rules in our home for outside of the home activities, but maybe that's not your stressor point. So if you feel like you have the personal bandwidth to sign your kids up for this activity and that activity, and it's really adding to your home environment, great, do it. We encourage you to do that. But maybe it would be helpful If you feel like some of those things are becoming stressors, like September said, to just really evaluate, where am I getting really overwhelmed? What pieces of my day feel heavy? And just take some time to look at each parts of the day. I know I did that a while ago um, when I felt like I was slipping into grouchy mama mode every day. And what it really came down to in my home was that I started to get really short tempered Anytime we had to leave the house, you know, like kids, you're not putting your shoes on fast enough. We're running late. Who's got that bag? Where's that book? And my, my voice inflection would start to sound very unkind. I'd start to get louder. Everything would be amplified. I had to really acknowledge my part in that chaos. What was happening is I was not preparing on the front end. Maybe I was waking up later than I needed to wake up. I had to start putting some things in place that I would feel more prepared for the day. And what that looked like for me in my house was that I got up earlier than my kids. I planned for extra buffer time because chances are something would happen. Maybe the the baby would need a diaper change right as we're walking out the door or somebody couldn't find their shoe. I kind of had to start expecting some of those things and give myself enough time that the everyday chaos of life could happen and it wouldn't wouldn't upset the day. So I just maybe had to be a little bit more intentional, when we were getting out the door, because for me, that was the time in my day where I felt the most overwhelmed and the most stressed out.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think I see that. I see that with young families all the time. But um, I'm glad for myself, I don't really have this issue anymore. My stress level pretty much at this point only affects my husband. <laughs> you can just ask him. But I do have a book coming out soon which causes lots of a different kind of stress. So for me, I don't know, when it gets bad, I just try to get outside and walk or get in the garden once, well, once the weather gets a little bit nicer, or just sit on my front porch and not do one thing. Um, another thing that helps me when I get just stressed in general is prayer. I mean, I think we all know that's really the 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 best way to get rid of your stress is to just get into the word and get into prayer and have that quiet time with the Lord. Um, so let's finish up here. I've got one more question and then, well, two more questions. Um, So ladies, what practical tips can you give the mom listening who maybe has a toddler and a baby and a giant pile of laundry that's been sitting there for three days? Or maybe we've got some moms listening that have a disabled child and she doesn't have the help she needs. How does she cope with the inevitably overwhelming feeling that she's failing? Well, I would
2: say to that mom who's listening to take it slow, just begin there, take it slow. And this is, this is something I've tried to remind myself, and I still do this today is to eliminate what is not necessary and to add in what is necessary. So I think sometimes we have things in our life that when we're in situations like this or seasons where the main focus has to be just caring and nurturing and growing these little humans and taking care of special needs that we just need to do what's necessary and nothing else. And in addition to that, we need to add in community asking for help, whether it's listening to a podcast or joining a small group and finding someone to be with our children. But we need to find a space to feed our soul because we can't just continue to pour out without filling ourselves up. And so that would be my, um, thoughts, you know, just eliminate what is not necessary. Some things you can eliminate and add in what is you need, we need to identify, we need help.
1: Good advice. What do you think, Jamie?
0: Don't be afraid to say no. And I know there's a lot of guilt that happens when you say no, because, you know, the world is expecting us to say Yes. But one thing that can help free us from that guilt of saying no is to really examine the extra part of our yes that isn't always immediate. So when I say yes to an activity that maybe actually I have the skill set to do or the time to execute the activity, but I also need to recognize that in saying yes, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time on the front end thinking about that activity planning for that activity. There's a lot that goes behind some of the yes that we don't always acknowledge. And before we know it, our yes, which was just a small thing, turns into this larger thing. So if you're in a season where just the the mothering season you're in is overwhelming, you have a new baby, you have a special needs child, you have a husband who's um, in the military and isn't home or present to help you, you have every reason let this be your permission slip to say no and you don't have to carry one iota of guilt over it
1: amen and i think especially if you're dealing with a child with a disability well maybe your community or your church has some programs you can tap into to get some relief because i know just sometimes just that hour going to the grocery store alone can make all the difference. Maybe there's a friend that, that together, the two of you can kind of spell each other one, watch one kids for an afternoon. So you can have some time and then switch it up. Sometimes we can do things like that. There might be a a, a women's group at your church that can help out. Um, I know it feels like it will never end, but it does. and, And it will. And one day you will be watching your children graduate and you'll wonder where the time went. But I think sometimes it We just need to stop and breathe, you know, and just take a pause. So let's ask one last question and then we'll let you listeners go. Um, What one action can you take today to make your mothering more fun?
2: Oh my goodness. Well, as I shared in the beginning of our intro episodes, I am not the most fun mom. So for me, the most fun thing I can do to help our family tone is to do the unexpected. If I do something that my kids are not expecting, it is a total hit, like, um, you know, get down on the floor and play a game or something for me, that's extreme. Um, <laughs> but one thing my mom always did, and I just love this is probably four times a year, she would go to the store and get an assortment of candy bars, which is a real treat even still in our home today. And she'll put them in a brown paper bag. And we would put our hand, she'd close the top of the bag and we could put our hand down in there and feel around the bag and guess what the candy bars were and get to take one out. And I do that with my kids once in a while as tradition, but because it's like fun and it's kind of um, anticipating for them and it's just something kind of unexpected. Like how often do we really tell our kids here, have a candy bar. So, um, that's on my list for this week. And I think my kids are just going to think that's the greatest thing in the world.
1: (laughs) That sounds fun. What do you do, Jamie?
0: I think the thing I need to focus on even this week is to stop being the sideline mom. It's really easy for me to send my kids outside to play in the snow or, um, let them watch a movie together in order that I can get something done and check something off my list. But I wanna be the mom who's out there playing in the snow with them or sitting down and watching the movie alongside them. Um, So maybe I need to stop being that sideline
1: mom. That's good advice. I think for me now, now I'm more into the grandmothering phase and I've got four little ones from, we've got from one up to eight. So when things get stressed, when we have the kids and it gets stressful, we just have a dance party. It helps everybody to just get that energy out, or we go out, if it's a nice sunny day, we go outside, we take a walk, we just, I try to do something with them that will get them to be active. Um, but I love the idea about the candy bars. I know my grandkids would love that, so I gotta try that with them. But um, but this is great. I, I loved, this This was really good discussion today. And you know, we've all been there. We, we know that the feeling of overwhelm though common is not really God's best for any of us. And there might be things in your schedule God is nudging you to just walk away from, like like the ladies were saying. Maybe he wants you to take a deliberate pause and just press into him. Maybe you just need to say no to some things. But please understand, there is no shame in being overwhelmed. It happens to all of us. And remember, too, that these days, they won't last forever. Don't be afraid to ask for help where you can. And don't forget, he has you right in the palms of his hands. Well, that is it for today, friends, and feel free to leave us a comment or a review on how you deal with the overwhelm of motherhood. We would love to hear your comments and your ideas, and feel free to subscribe to our podcast. Just go to momtomompodcast.com, and you can also get your free 30-day prayers for your children to download. It's a really neat set of prayer cards that you can download for free. And thank you so much for listening. And we pray you have a wonderful, peaceful, calm day.